0: Bottom of the Smash Mountain Season 2 Episode 35 DA Walking Meme Welcome to the podcast My name is Jesse and or Cypher Whichever you prefer Thank you so much for joining me for another episode here Today we have Killa O.R. That's right We have D.A. Killa O.R. Who? joins us for an interview and the reason why i'm smiling is because one of the cool things that you'll get to hear in this conversation is how maybe kello OR is not super fond of the tag anymore maybe a change perhaps well probably not but we sometimes don't always like the names that we end up choosing as tags but in kello's case i would say it's a fantastic Gamer tag, and we get onto that and more. So I'm so excited to share this interview with you. We'll talk after that. In the meantime, please enjoy Killa OR. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right. Transition. Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain, and today I'm very excited to be joined by a legend of the melee scene and of the community. We have NYC's very own Killa OR, aka Chris McKenzie. But Killa, thank you so much for joining me here.
1: Jesse, thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful.
0: I appreciate it. It's so cool that you hear certain names as you familiarize yourself with the game and who has played it, who's come through and gone. And... I remember watching the documentary and in the first episode they talk about Deadly Alliance and Wes of course was interviewed and I'm just going, there's a bunch of people in New York city that sort of advanced the early stages of melee and did it while also being very cool. Awesome. Like Chillin talked talks about, it. he's like, I go to tournaments. Oh, that's lame. Well, yeah, let me show you this motherfucker. Wes, like in other words, uh-huh. it was so cool to hear about different, cruise and yeah. how there was an East Coast, West Coast rivalry. And you came up during that time. Of course, anyone who's listening would probably know that. But all these years later, it's, it's so weird to think it's been almost 20 years since Melee has come out and somehow this has brought us to here. And it's it's an honor to have you on. I really appreciate you making the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, the game and the community is just the most unique I've ever experienced in my gaming career, for sure. Like, the Smash Brothers community is just truly a great special community, despite its faults and drama, just the longevity and pedigree.
0: It's managed to stick around all this time. And so I think the best way to talk about how you have had this relationship with Melee all this while is the beginning and how you got into Melee. It just wasn't the first video game you played by a long stretch. How did you first get into video games?
1: Uh, so I don't know, like most thirty-something-year-olds, I play. I had a Nintendo, so my parents got me the the uh, Nintendo game. So we played that Super Nintendo. I mean Super Mario, and then kind of moved up, you know, with the new generations. went on the Sega, and then the Sega Dreamcast. There was um, what was it? Uh, Bomberman Online, and uh, oh, thank you for the sub, uh, badass No Man. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Brother. Um, <laughs> No, we take section. those. <laughs> we take those. We take those Ws. Um, and so there was this clan um, in Bobberman Online for the, the Sega Dreamcast. And then I had the name Lil' Killer at the time. And then you know after earning some respect online, they finally added me to their crew. So I dropped a little and added OR. And that's kind of like how my name came up. Um, And then this just kind of stuck with me. Even when I was with DA, I kept the kind of killer OR. Tag. They were telling me to just make it DA, Killer. But I'm like... Killer like by itself ending kind of sounds harsh. I like the OR because it, it doesn't leave that like kind of murderous kind of feel to it. I mean, it still feels awkward like modern day. Now looking at my name, I'm like, Ugh, I kind of kind of want to low-key change my name. But at the same <laughs> time, um, you know, it is what it is.
0: I would say that there's probably half of the Melee people at the very least. And maybe perhaps across the all the esports gamers where they're saying to themselves... Can I change this? Am I allowed to do this now? Like I'm sure you're I'm sure you're not the only one. I wanted to make sure I did not realize we were being joined by your stream. Shout out to the chat. I really appreciate y'all joining us as well. So thank you so much. That's very cool. I wanted to then say with New York City and you growing up in that area, in Harlem, if I if I'm recalling correctly, when Melee first came out. Was it something that you fell in love with right away? Or did you hear about the game and go, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Like, how did you first start playing?
1: So, um, like, in my local neighborhood, I was, like, the neighborhood hero. I I was, like, really into video games. But I grew up in Harlem. Harlem is not notorious for video gamers. It's, like, you know, very uh, impoverished, you know, high crime rate time when I grew up um, in the 90s. So I was, like, an oddball kid who was trying to make his dreams come true playing video games and so like i I really fell in love with super smash brothers because i really thought it was cool to have like mario fighting yoshi and fighting luigi like i thought it was dope because i really liked the like fighting game genre and the new york fighting game scene had like insane like fighting game community with the chinatown fair and you the guys that played Super um that played uh street fighter and all of those games so you know kind of aspired to play with those guys at some point but i kind of fell in love with melee and uh i heard about a tournament online because i was on gamefacts.com i don't know if anybody listening to this would even know what the fuck that is but uh excuse my french and <laughs> and i went on this website and they said that there was a local tournament called a bin um downtown of les so i was like les like man i'm from holland what, what man i'm about to show these les kids what's up so um I go down there, I meet all the guys, I met. I meet my eventual longtime brothers for life, Wes, Jason, and several other guys, and uh, yeah, that, that tournament then led me to my competitive side. I was playing football at the time, but then I was like kind of slacking off in my grades and was really focusing on playing the game a little bit more because I thought that I, I could get really good, but yeah.
0: That's, you, met, you met Wes very early on then, it sounded like, and then... Very first tournament. The, wow. <laughs> it's just incredible. Like Again, it's just really funny or awesome, however you want to phrase it, however you want to look back on it, how like that friendship just happened right at the very first tournament. I'm sure that if you had gone to a later one, Wes would have been around, and, and then the other people that formed Deadly Alliance, it seemed like part of the idea at first was to get everyone better in the crew like there'd be a person representing a character in Deadly Alliance and the idea was for everybody to play together to improve together hey I need Marth practice hey I need Puff practice hey I need Fox practice or Samus practice like that sort of thing when did you start to look outwards at other crews to take those people head on or were you more interested in trying to play in terms of representing yourself like yeah i'm part of deadly alliance but i also want to win tournaments push the, push my name out there as oh yeah Lombard. yeah yeah. well
1: that's that's natural we all from we were all from new york so there was always this like competitive side. Cause look, when me and west met it wasn't like we met and we were like oh my god brothers let's hug each other it was more like i'm sizing you up we both from the hood but we're from different hoods but we're playing this video game so we were really like coming at each other um like i want some competitive stuff and You know, I think that's what attracted, like, what really made us friends because we both were, like, misunderstood kids from different neighborhoods, you understand?
0: Just to have that sort of thing in common really helps to, like, just right away, like, okay, like, obviously, we don't really know each other yet, but we do know that we love Melee, and that just already makes it easier to become friends with somebody, right? Instantly. So, did you originally start with playing Puff, or when did that first, when did that first happen?
1: So, I started playing Puff. Um, probably around the time when Kamal, so Kamal was another DA member, when Kamal really started getting good with Luigi, and by the way, Kamal definitely doesn't get the recognition that he deserves because Kamal basically invented wave dashing, and no one knows about it, and that's unfortunate, but, um, Kamal was the reason why I kind of stopped playing, I think I was playing Captain Falcon like a main, and then... I picked up Jigglypuff and started learning about uh, like her air, aerial movement because a lot of the Japanese kids were jumping around with puff. They weren't standing around on the ground and running. They were jumping and hopping, and it, it really increased her mobility. And I thought that was really fascinating. So then I picked her up and started learning more about like her movements. And then I learned about rest and how it could instantly kill a target, you know, at low percent. And I thought that was dope as fuck.
0: Even on, in, even into today, it's really cool to see. There's not a ton of Jigglypuff's representat- representation at the moment. Hungrybox has sort of taken a, a, back, a step backwards, but two St. Juana tournaments in the past month or so, so that was really cool to see. But all throughout history, I mean, I, I had on Kish Prime recently, who's who was someone who has been cited as a person who has advanced the Puff meta in, a, in, in his own small way. Absolutely. And then- no,
1: a big way. Huge way. What do you mean? Kish Prime is an OG (laughs) like me, man. Kish Prime was like, um, he, he had his, he, he had his, uh, corner of the, you know, United States. He had the Midwest held down for real.
0: And it was very cool to hear about, very cool to hear and to see on Twitter, actually, a recent discourse where you were both saying, uh, (laughs) tempting to give up on Puff, but then neither of you did.
1: Yeah, it was FC3. It was the first time I ever took a road trip that far before. And, um. It was amazing to just see so many people from so many different walks of life all united over one game. It was, it was overwhelming. I've never experienced anything like that before in my life, and I just loved it.
0: Was that something that when you first went out went outside of New York City going into Indiana, I think that was, yeah, Indiana to go to FC3, you probably weren't thinking like on a whole like meta level of how this is going to change your life or anything. You were just probably excited to play some Melee and represent East Coast, right?
1: Exactly, man. Exactly. it makes some memorable moments a memory along the way. That lasts a lifetime. That's right, man. That's right. That's what it's all about, man.
0: So obviously we have to talk about the MTV spot for a little bit, but what I was really fascinated by was how you actually did sign to become a pro player with MLG. You know, there's a there's a part of that of that MTV video. Well, I I call it a video. I don't know what you would call it for TV, but it was really the cool episode, to watch. I and, guess. Yeah, the episode. Yeah. And and seeing how that was you like doing that. I, I don't think that there, it didn't seem like that everybody from the East coast was like lining up to, to sign with MLG or other organizations that were trying to help make melee more of an esport. I mean, the concept of esport was so, so like it was just barely understood in the United States. It was an embryo. Time.
1: It wasn't even an in infancy. It was an embryo. Mike Shepso risked his whole life on that company, man. He was the CEO of MLG and they, they really tried to replicate the South Korean gaming culture in the U.S. in a very you know aggressive way. And I'm glad it worked out because e- esports, I would have never in a million years imagined gaming would be where it is today versus when I first started. Never in a million years.
0: But what I really respected and what I thought was very cool at how you were thinking about, hey if I can get the bag, I'm gonna get the bag, right? I wanted to hear from your perspective what you were thinking at that time of you're playing this game, and you're not, you're you're either at the end of high school, or you're post high school by 2005, 2006, and of when that sort of stuff was happening. So, what were you thinking at that time with with trying to say to yourself, I I think it would be really cool if I could get paid to do this because that makes me happy as a gamer and it also makes me happy of being able to pay bills and that kind of stuff. Well, what were you thinking and trying to make that happen to sign with MLG and to do that kind of stuff at that time?
1: Yeah. I mean, I thought it was more publicity than anything to be honest, man. But oh, uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm not even going to go there, but, but I will say, I will say that, um, I thought it was an amazing opportunity right to to be able to say something like that not many people who can and i i'm very grateful and humble for that opportunity because there are a lot of people who honestly from a merit standpoint were better than me but for one reason or another they thought that i was the more complete package and that was that was really cool and i'm gracious um, it also restored confidence in someone who was like failing out of school at the time um, that's the part of the story that people didn't know i was i was so committed that I, I basically sacrificed my academic career and I ended up dropping out of high school. I ended up giving up on fo- um, football in high school as well for it. So it was a real tough decision.
0: You were one of the first people to say to yourself, I could just go all in on this and maybe it'll work out. And in some ways I would say that it did. But for from your perspective, you know the whole story because this is your life we're talking about. So aside from how it affected academics, like, did it just literally consume your life for a period of time there where it was just hard to think about anything else except getting better in melee and advancing that
1: literally man it was literally that and just the pressure to perform people were playing a lot and figuring out things very rapidly i felt like da's conquest to to you know build a reputation for ourselves by taking out local talent you know and the local geography was a great strategy to market ourselves but at the same time we we weren't making next to nothing with our like, you know, day jobs and stuff. I was like a trainer and I think Wes was like um, I think he was a trainer, too, or something. I'm not sure. But, you know, New York City's not cheap, <laughs> you know, it, it takes it takes a pretty penny to earn. So the, the reality sets in real fast, like, well, I'm not making a lot of money doing this. So either I make a, a, a course correction or I get really good really fast, and I didn't see me myself getting really good really fast, with guys like Mutu king were spending countless hours, counting frames, and documenting it, and putting it all on the internet. I felt like this guy was a fucking game developer. <laughs> how, <laughs> how am I gonna compete with that, bro?
0: You looked around, and after a while, you started to realize that there were people who, for one reason or another, were able to devote just as much time, if not more, than yourself, and able to succeed able to place well in tournaments and you're saying to yourself, well, I'm not there at this time. And you say to yourself, I think I do need a course correction. So it's not a slight to, 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 to melee or anything like that when you say to yourself, I want to back off of this and try to pursue something else. But what was the first aside from looking around and seeing top players continue to ascend? Was it also just the fact that you had been playing for enough time by the by the end of things for you in competitive melee and the like maybe it was around 2006 2007 when you started to take a step back
1: yeah i think that's about the time frame i i kind of always knew i wasn't one of the best because just in local discussions like people would mention me and they would say that i have like a great puff but i didn't really win any number one tournaments it you know large regionals or nationals and that for me was kind of a sign and i was trying my hardest you know um, and I played a lot. I practiced a lot. I took it seriously. I treated it like a job. But you know, I wasn't getting the six. I wasn't reaching the, the, the pinnacle that I expected to reach. I think the the best place I ever reached was probably third place at uh, like during um, that NPE True Life episode. Actually, I think. Um, well, no, there was another tournament in like Massachusetts where I kind of. <laughs> uh, Korean DJ would hate me for this one because I kind of stalled my way to victory with Jigglypuff by just spamming Ford B (laughs) until the clock ran out (laughs) after taking like two stock from him. I was a dick. But uh, (laughs) where were we, man? I'm sorry.
0: No worries. It was sort of you talking about how you fall in love with Melee and then it's not like you abandoned Yeah, the the money. The money. That's right. We're here now. I wasn't earning but you gotta a pay penny. Bills.
1: I gotta pay bills. This is New York City. You know, you either get chewed up or spit out. You know, so I, I made the decision to start working for, full time, um, put down the games for the most part. And um, you know, I've always I always like played it on the side. Like when I go to like family gatherings and stuff, people will turn the game on. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll play. And then like, oh my god, Chris used to be on TV for that and stuff. And um, you know, <laughs> like, people, like our family's like kind of proud of that stuff. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, <laughs> no, okay. But um no, Melee is just a a fantastic game and you know, one of the things that I love most about Melee is that the like yourself, right? Um you guys could totally forget about dinosaurs like myself, Ken, Wes and all the hugs, a lot of other OGs, but you guys still show us a lot of love and you know, that, that love is definitely greatly appreciated because yeah, I've always loved the game and I always knew Jigglypuff's potential so to see guys like uh, Hungrybox and Mango and a lot of these other very prominent Puff players really take her to the pinnacle of what I always imagined her to be is also really, really fucking dope.
0: It's been really cool to see that as well not just the fact that people try to remember try to do their best to catalog and give credit where credit is due for different techniques and how communities have been built up like oh yeah so and so runs this scene but who was running this before that person? And you have to just go trace back, trace back. And then you start to run into names where you either recognize from the documentary or from old Smashboard posts. And <laughs> it's really cool that not only can we sort of trace backwards, but that even all these years later, people like Kish Prime and and yourself. And of course, Hugs is still out here doing a lot of content regarding Melee. That's Shout really out to cool Kish Prime,
1: by the way. Shout out to Kish Prime, OG Puff
0: love kish prime it was so cool to have a to have a conversation with 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 somebody like kish prime and with yourself of course it's, it's really cool so
1: wait you did th- you did this with kish prime i would love to listen to it where is it i want i want the receipts <laughs> uh, so, show me the receipts
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah i'll send you i'll send you a link i'll send you a spotify link yeah
1: yeah that'd be awesome
0: yeah okay let me see if i can multitask and work on that so it was it's really cool basically to sum that up how people who had played the game so long ago are still around and every now and again contribute to the discourse of melee as a game as a whole on twitter in particular that's where i'm really active i'm not really on uh, reddit or anywhere else but speaking of game facts i, I know I- i've talked to people like pikachu 942 before who said oh yeah i used hey. to run game facts back in the day like that kind whoa of stuff, so. really
1: did he i didn't realize that wow
0: um uh, <laughs> So it just you know just just making some just making some claims when I when I interviewed Pikachu 942 that's that yeah that's what was that's what was claimed. okay, so let me see. yep, I found the episode. I'm gonna be sending that to you in just a moment here. So I wanted to also ask you about the deadly Alliance crew as a whole and what you remember about people who in your mind need more shout kind of like Kamal by the way who, I, I've only heard by name. I don't think I've ever heard anything else about specifically, but like people just every now and again will go, oh, yeah, it's not just DA West. It's not just Killer OR. There were other, some, there were some other great people, great players that really helped bolster NYC, the community there, and then participate in all these crew battles all up and down the East Coast and going out to places like Melee FC in Indiana, all that kind of stuff if you wanted to talk a little bit about memories that you have with the entire DA crew.
1: Oh man, I have so many. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> back to Kamal real quick. Kamal's like the Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, for Bitcoin, of uh, the Wave Dash game, man. He, he literally invented that shit in the projects of Brooklyn and never got any credit for that whatsoever.
0: You you go to over you go over you play Kamal for the first time and you see the wave dash for the first time like with what are you Luigi. thinking to yourself
1: with fucking <laughs> Luigi of all the <laughs> fucking uh, characters in the game the one who slides the furthest it was like <laughs> dude this is insane like I was so mind blown because he was doing it inconsistently but you could tell that if he got it down and practiced it enough that he could really like get good at it and then over time he did but it was just like at that moment I was like. What the fuck did he just discover? And little did we know.
0: It's such an integral part of the game, even even today, and it's so cool. I'm sure this is something that you think of every time you see a Luigi come up on unranked or whatever. You're like, yeah, you should be thanking Kamal for that. <laughs> Wave dashing back and forth. Aside from uh, aside from Kamal, who else do you remember, like, either innovating in your own mind or coming up with new techniques uh, at that time? Or do you want to toot your own horn here, too?
1: No, I was I was just the, I was the pretty boy of DA. I was the most obnoxious and just, you know, I was a meme. I was a walking meme. I just wanted <laughs> to just do memorable things to make sure that people remembered me. And that's literally my career, basically, in a nutshell. But, um, no, I think the best player at DA was definitely DA Dave by far. He was the most committed. He had a chip on his shoulder. He had the time, the effort, and the skill. Um, Wes was definitely the most consistent Performer in tournament settings. Um, DA Ron was also a very big part of the team. He always, you know, committed his time, effort, and energy, and he's still a very good best friend of all of us there. Um, Shout out to Ron. Uh, Man, Blaine, Blue Chew, you know, those are some like really early names. Mike G. I can't believe I fucking didn't mention Mike G earlier than this. This is unbelievable. Mike G is one of the greatest peaches ever. Uh, yeah, there's so many DA guys and um, you know, they all played a very important part for each each of their, their characters that they specialized in. I really thought the whole character specialization thing was stupid as hell, to be totally honest. And like that really held back a lot of guys because they were so like committed to this idea that if you pick the character, you must stay with that character. You never change that character. And I felt like that mantra held back a lot of people in da who might have been better than they actually were if they weren't playing low tier hero like uh i think um dire on fire was a very very technical player but for whatever reason or another this man decided like mr gaming watch and never stopped playing him (laughs) when he could have very much played fox or any other character in the game and had tremendous success it was like you're handicapping yourself to this i don't know unwritten rule that you only play one hero
0: so you would say it was more of an unwritten rule in DA, not so much like something that was talked about a lot. Like if somebody tried to play another character, would somebody say, hey, yo, go back to your main? Like, yeah, is that what would what exactly,
1: happen? Exactly.
0: It's like, I need game and watch practice. So like game and watch practice for who else other than me?
1: <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it was so silly. Now that I sit down and think about this, it's so silly.
0: Well, I'm sure that it's just, it, it can be like that in a, in a friend group or a crew where, Everybody goes, well, we don't want to really do dittos. Can we just, just pick a character and roll with it? And, like, somebody's going to end up being stuck with Link. And even if a Link did technically win a tournament sometime in the past month or so, shout-outs to aclo winning an actual tournament with That's Link, incredible. all Link. That was insane. But that that is that has not happened in, like, a super long time where aclo beats uh, notable players to get there. I think aclo beat JFlex twice to reset grand finals and then again yeah to to win that if i if i recall correctly and j flex is a really good chic from new jersey so
1: the idea of someone winning a tournament with link to me especially during my era is like un like unfathomable link just is not that good what (laughs) i guess so yeah
0: but if you if you got the tech, I mean, Aklo is is understands a lot of spe- really specific link tech. And I'm having a hard time a t-
1: adapting, man. I'm gonna be honest. The, the way that the game, the pace at which the game is played today, is significantly faster than when I was playing.
0: And so that was gonna be my question about a character that plays on the lower side of the tier list. I would almost say, wouldn't have, to, wouldn't have it would have been easier to win a tournament, not necessarily with Link, but maybe like a mid-tier, maybe like Samus or Ganondorf for Mario. But in your mind, did you still see a lot of Marth, Falco, Sheik, Fox winning a lot of tournaments when you were in your competitive heyday?
1: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You know, you had Ken, you had uh, Azin Zagonite, you had uh, Wes. I don't know if Wes really won a big one. Yeah, I guess Eddie was a good low-tier Pro with Ganondorf um, during that during that time. Did you ever hear Eddie?
0: I think Eddie was in the documentary, and then Kish Prime and I were talking about Eddie just very very briefly because Kish Prime said not enough people know about
1: Eddie. Yeah, Eddie was the man. I loved Eddie. He was a Ganon main. I can't I can't remember where he's from, but uh, he was definitely a top top tier player um, during my time as well.
0: Something that Kish Prime said in our in our conversation, and I'd love to hear your thought on this, because I just remembered he was saying that people would brag about not practicing like that was definitely a culture thing in Melee at the time. You would win a set and you one of the first things you would say is, oh, I'm not even trying that hard or I'm not even really practicing and I just beat you. You got to hold that now. Like that kind of thing. Does Does that sound familiar?
1: Oh, my God. The amount of trash talk that was going on back then would have gotten a lot of people canceled, especially me. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a shit talker, I'm a money matcher, I'm a like get in your face kind of guy because I, you know, I'm, I'm from the hood so I kind of brought that kind of competitive side to me that was really awkward for gamers at the time. They'd never seen anything like that before so it was really funny. Especially because everything was LAN tournaments, right? So there's this like big in- intimidating black guy with this <laughs> Jigglypuff player <laughs> and it was just funny because it would be a whole crew of us. <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever, man but then everyone would get to know us and then it was just like wow all right these guys are all cool and stuff
0: yeah exactly something that husband has said recently husband is streaming which is really cool and trying to adapt into the new competitive era of melee also shout really out to cool. husband
1: i love husband he gave me a raid recently i love that guy Shout out to him awesome. and uh, wife.
0: Awesome, yeah, uh, yeah, really cool to see uh, husband in particular trying to uh, get good in with in melee nowadays with Marth. Still, that's really fun. Taking coaching lesson, co- coaching lessons with Zane. That's really cool too, because wow. Zane is like the the pinnacle of melee right now. Absolutely, everybody to look at. Yeah, um, I don't want to lose my train of thought. I was mentioning husband because he was saying, "Oh, what was husband saying about?"
1: Oh, I was saying to all um, the big black guys oh, at yes. tournaments.
0: Husband hu- Husband loved being around. He said, I loved being around Deadly Alliance. Uh, he re- he remembered a time where he was with some DA guys. I don't know if you were there, and you probably don't remember this. He just remembers a very oddly specific memory where there's somewhere, everyone's somewhere in Massachusetts in a subway, and somebody who's like a local like talking crap about new york city like the yankees somebody's wearing a yankees hat or whatever and somebody from da just like casually mentions like oh, should get like waste this person or whatever and husband just being like wait what yeah. husband being like oh wait that's not wait what just like not understanding like that's how you talk when you're from new york city at that time or, <laughs> yeah. or what have you but then saying he would say his husband was saying that you would get, get trash-talked while you were playing. You know, everybody from DA, if you were playing someone from DA, you would get trash-talked. But then after the tournament was over, after the games were over and everybody's hanging out, no one better to be around than the DA crew. That's what Husband was saying.
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed. I remember there was several times where members of DA had to defend people outside of DA in, like, real-life situations at LAN tournaments. And, you know, it's the type of stuff that, you know, you just look out for each other. You know, we're all brothers, so it doesn't matter if you're a friend. I'm gonna defend you.
0: I love that. I love that. And yes, it's one of the big differences between melee of the past and melee today is that the trash talking has to be more nuanced. That's probably the best way to phrase it. But if I were to ask you which which era you would prefer to be in now, like I I almost feel like that's like a leading question or like trying to like appeal back to like the good old days. I mean, it's hard to know what is better, like trying to create a more welcoming environment, or if you wanna be able to sort of like let loose a little bit. I, I guess that's the two competing ideals, but you've you've gotten to see both in Melee, the stuff that kinda of goes around today where there is some trash talking, but it's a lot more subdued and then what Man. it was back in the day. If you want to talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean the trash talk today is all virtual. I think that virtual element really um I mean, I guess Lanton is to be coming back soon, right? Hopefully.
0: Yeah, they're starting to come back a little bit here. I, I think some locals are starting to come up in some spots. I know that for around my area. I think that's going to be coming up in, a, in the next month or two, as far as I know. But, yeah, they're coming back.
1: Yeah, I mean, our generation was like a unique generation, right? Because we were, we were like not as connected instantly at the time so like when we went to smashboards you had to go through the thread and you had to type like this whole long dissertation or a quick one and then wait for someone to see it and respond it wasn't like instantaneous like twitter and stuff like that so the speed at which you can communicate with people and a reach of people that you can reach today compared to yesterday is just like significantly different too and then all of the tournaments at the time were all land tournaments when i played um, so, you know, you either put up or shut up, and that's basically it. And, you know, today, a lot of tournaments are online, so people couldn't become overly boisterous forgetting the whole human element of things. I mean, we're still guys. We still have egos and testosterone and stuff. And we even saw it at one of the local tournaments of Valorant, right? Like, one of the guys got another guy's face. Like, you can't... You, there's a certain level of respect you have to have while trash-talking, right? I understand like that's still a man on the other side of the screen um and they have you know dignity and respect and they expect that from you so you you give that to them but you know still I'm, I'll bust your ass hopefully
0: I'd like to think of it as keeping it within the game for my own my own like view on it but the fun part of all of this for me specifically is that Whatever tournament I go to first uh, this upcoming summer is going to actually be my first in-person tournament. I've never been able to go to one myself because well, a lot of reasons, but more you or less it just boiled down man. to it's me uh, chickening out. Sorry, what'd you say?
1: It's the best. You should you should be excited. I miss it. Oh yeah, tournaments. thank you. I'm I'm happy for you. You you're, you're going to love it. I hope I hope you do well Oh, I think playing.
0: I think it'll I think it'll go I think it'll go well. I'm not going to win the tournament or anything, but I I'd like to think of it as like You know, if there's smack talking around, it's like me just like talking about, you know, you should really practice your ledge dashes or whatever. (laughs) Like that's my version of that's my version of trash talking a little bit, a little bit more subdued, but just like, I don't know, like probably keep it in the game. And then I always liked the idea when I would compete in something else, like I'd compete in football or ultimate Frisbee or soccer just to be really competitive and. And in the moment in that time, but then as soon as the game over the game's over, I should say, just kind of flip a switch and try to be nice and say, Hey, you know, that was fun, good games or, or what have you. Like that's sort of how I viewed competition for myself and maybe that's not it for everybody. But yeah, I-, I saw that Valorant clip you were talking about. Like coming over across the setup to specifically get in each one of the other Yes, that's the competitors one competitors' faces. Like, you have a lot of nerve doing that. <laughs>
1: That is that is the one. I couldn't believe it.
0: It would have been... I, I don't know what I would... Have, I probably just would have, like, you know, put up my hands just to, like, hey, you can't get that close. You need to back up a little bit. You can talk your stuff, but you got to back up. Like, that's probably what I would do. But, like, you know, everybody likes to think, oh, I wouldn't let somebody talk to me like that. I'd show them up or whatever. But <laughs> I'm not that confrontational of a person. I'm trying to be realistic, but, I'm like, you know, you can't be, like, two inches from my face. I'm going to ask you to back up exactly uh, as politely as it can <laughs> might have to push a bit but you you wouldn't have i'm sure when da was in full force have been able to have anybody do that so it was almost like no, there would be like were a times. certain there
1: oh you would just get to that point they had to physically defend or well defend some people because of tempers
0: would it just be when somebody was trying to talk too much or was it just the gameplay would get so intense that you just start to like get physical, like while you're sitting next to each other.
1: Yeah, the second.
0: Wow, I just like have a hard time picturing that happening, but it's mostly because I know melee in the context of being played just on on slippy on rollback, which is obviously you're not sitting right next to the person you're competing with, and everybody's allowed to like jump there up and down. Have been straight
1: and... up like riots, <laughs> fist fights over video games, man.
0: Fist fights?
1: Oh, oh man! Oh, little do you know, my guy.
0: <laughs> so, would you be trying to instigate these, or no? You know... I would
1: never, absolutely not. No, uh, no. So I'm the, uh, the the walking just... the
0: walking meme is not trying to deliberately start fights. You're just trying to show people up with the words, more or less, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Just trash talk.
0: <laughs> so, since since then, you have you know, had melee on and off, like you want to talk a little bit about what you've been able to do with, with your life. I know that now it's, it is all these years later, but how would you describe going from trying to go all in with melee to, to, to moving on and to succeeding in other ways? I I think you were able to be a division one athlete. If I saw correctly, that kind of stuff, you want to talk a little bit about post melee life for yourself?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Like I told you, when I kind of gave up Melee, I went like full time to become a personal trainer and I was doing that for several years and as I was doing that, I met a few clients along the way who very mentorish relationship with me and I noticed that they weren't exactly that much smarter than me but they had college degrees and and I didn't and I needed to earn one so they convinced me to return to school. I did. I went to a junior college, um, very affordable two-year program to play football and... Earn a high GPA to eventually go to a D1 school. I ended up at Syracuse, and I earned my bachelor's there. I uh, worked in the corporate America, um, first as an underwriter for about a year, and then as a corporate salesperson at a biotech uh, for the last seven years. And I um, earned my MBA while working during that time, and um, I decided last year that working every single day of my life and paying bills is cool. but I really miss Melee, I miss streaming, I miss gaming, so I made the decision to come back, start streaming, and have a little bit of myself back um, outside of just working.
0: So you would be pretty much a 24-7, kind of like not pure workaholic, where you like only sleep four hours a night, but most of your time, and even free time, was consumed with working, is that correct? Exactly. I remember a time in my life when that's really all I wanted to do, but what helped me pull out of that where I'm not tying myself to in you know, a business trying to help that grow, how then therefore make myself grow and try to earn more money and that sort of thing was actually getting married. Because oh,
1: congratulations, that's beautiful.
0: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, it'll be five years in November. So Wow, Jordan five said,
1: years. Oh my goodness. Give this round of applause. Oh my god. <laughs>
0: Thank you for the Yes, I appreciate that. Basically, mm-hmm. Jen says to me, you know, you work a lot. You should come home sooner. And I go, okay. And has just helped me swing to a more, I, I would say, even keel where I can have interests outside of, like, you know, the job that is paying our bills. Right. Even though it's not a perfect setup yet, I would say, and still trying to figure that out. I still have... a a hardworking personality i haven't gotten so lazy that i can (laughs) sit around for an hour at work doing nothing and feel good about that no i i just like try to stay in motion more or less and the kind of work that i it's it's blue collar work anyway you can't necessarily sit around it's not like well i've just heard enough about white collar stuff that I, i i wonder how much sitting around people can get away with but all that to say i think that it's really cool to hear how you've been able to have that journey yourself where you had mentors who encouraged you to chase after something more meaningful in terms of like, hey, you can, you can get a really not easy degree. That's, that's underselling it, but you can go back to school and you can succeed without putting yourself in a hundred thousand dollar debt or anything like that. And you can, shoot for the stars more or less and now you get to this point in your life where I, I think i saw a tweet of yours maybe like a week or two ago or maybe it was even a month ago but something to the effect of the 30s is where it's at <laughs> you got what you needed you got ba- you got a lot of bills paid and you're able to save up and now you can enjoy life a little bit more you're like screw the 20s the 30s are where it's at i i think that's a really interesting perspective
1: Yeah, because, you know, you hear about the 30s in your 20s, you think that's like, oh, my God, that's so old. But then you start to look around and you see people in their 50s living their best lives, people in their 60s living their best lives. Like, man, 30 30 is not too bad. Uh, 30 is a point where I feel a little bit more enlightened about myself, about the world around me, the economics around me, and just like a general understanding of what's happening. And I think when you're in your 20s, you don't really have that. I mean, some people do, and God bless the people who, who get early enlightenment. But I think it's one your 20s, you're really struggling to kind of find who you are, find what you want to do, find just find something and um, whatever that something is for you.
0: And it may be very hard to give advice in that way. But what would you say was something that's helpful for you that might be helpful for others who are trying to find something that they can get excited about and passionate about and also perhaps do that? while being paid to do that or what would you say about school or what would you say about biotech like is there anything in your life that you feel like you could say hey maybe you can consider this for your own life like speaking broadly
1: yeah speaking broadly um i, I do think the the healthcare field is a wonderful field to kind of merge both finance and healthcare care um, biotech is a nuance within healthcare but uh you know there's plenty of avenues you can earn an income right like what you're doing here right but your podcast for example is a fantastic entrepreneurial opportunity and that's like the backbone of america and and it's the future of entrepreneurship to be totally honest just online e-commerce and you know blogging and stuff like that so kudos to you for you know being ahead of the game and hosting for a a community that deserves it
0: very kind words i think Thank you for that's, that's very nice of you to say that so far I have earned zero cents as of now on the podcast, but for now, passion is really fueling the, 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 this whole operation more or less, but we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: And with. So I'm thinking about Rollback, net code, all that kind of stuff where playing Melee online is, is easier than it was before. You can play in tournaments quite easily because there's it feels like there's one happening every single night. Even if it's a specific regional in your area, it's still happening this night and tomorrow night and the night after that. And you're starting to get back into streaming since 2020, if I re- heard you correctly. So when Rollback Netcode first got introduced and you're playing other games on stream at around this time, like, what was your reaction to that? Did you, did you go, I mean, did you do the same thing I did where I said, what's Rollback Netcode?
1: Yeah, exactly, I, I kind of scoffed at it, to be honest. So people still play Melee, and then I played it again, and <laughs> I was like, man, this game is so awesome, dude. I cannot believe I'm like, trying to be like a snob. What a loser. <laughs> And then I started playing it again and all the memories I remember one night I was playing dude I like busted into tears because all of the memories I was high but all of the memories all kind (laughs) of just hit me at once how much like how much of my life I committed to this game in the grand scheme of things I'm 34 now and like from the age of like 16 I think to like 24 I gave it a solid eight year shot like hard.
0: And Now it's almost as if you kind of fell back in love with melee a little bit with the with the help of Netcode and the fact that there were other people probably around you who were going, Kelly, you gotta get back in on this. This is actually legit. Like you can play melee and it feels good. Like it feels like you're playing next to the person that you're playing against.
1: Legitimate, man. And it's been it's been it's been really cool. I just I just cannot believe the the baseline level of skill online. (laughs) It's like everyone is like (laughs) pro level back when I was playing. So, like, I find myself struggling um, with some guys. Like, I, I ran into a guy named Avenger or something like that the other night, Jesus Christ, this man busted me up solid, like, 10-plus matches in a row. And I just, too competitive to say no, to say, all right, he's just better than me. And he just, <laughs> oh, man. People are really, really good at the game now. It's, like, insane. It's almost, like, robotic. It's scary.
0: <laughs> they Well, some of these people who are playing feel like uh, individuals who don't have to pay bills yet—that's the best way to phrase it. Because you just have so much time when you're that young, you just don't realize how much time you have when you don't have to work a job to make a living and blah blah blah. Like, and then for me, I'm thinking about okay, I have to work, yeah, like between forty and fifty-five hours a week, depending on the week. And then right. of course, the the wife and two kids that I have I want to spend time with them, and then I want to do this podcasting thing. I I don't. Uh, part of the struggle for me is that. I don't have Wi-Fi at home, so I can't even play Slippy online as of now, but that's why I'm excited for in-person tournaments to come back because maybe I can go to one every once in a while. And where
1: where are you based?
0: Lancaster, PA.
1: Oh, wait, Lancaster, PA. How close are you to State College from Lancaster? Like two hours?
0: So, yeah, it's about a two-hour drive. Yeah, they have um, Smash at Penn State. That's the, that's the tournament series that is run over there.
1: Yep. That's where my fiance's from college well that's where her family resides
0: oh congratulations on being engaged that's very cool to hear
1: yeah for way too long three years man and we were supposed to get married last year but the pandemic kind of ruined it
0: oh of course but it's it's all in good timing i hope that you were able to (laughs) really plan out the reception with that extra time
1: (laughs) yeah we'll figure it out we'll figure it out
0: so with yeah with 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 PA I'll be able to figure it out there's stuff in Philly there's stuff in there's stuff in Lancaster even so it'll be it'll be all good for for yourself though as of now when you think about in-person tournaments coming back in New York City because I'm assuming are you still uh up there somewhere
1: yeah oh I'm there I'm in there I'm in there I swim away baby
0: let's go. When you hear about different stuff popping up in the next year or so, is that something that you'll say to yourself? Mm, maybe one or two, something yeah. like that, or I'll do it are for you going to try to stick to online?
1: I'll do it for the memes.
0: <laughs> Eventually it would be cool. Cause there's, there's a lot of people in New York that I more or less like know about or have heard about. It'd be cool to go to a new England tournament. It'd be cool to go to a New York city area, to, like a New York city based tournament. Uh, I, I'm I drive partially for my job uh, around the tri-state area as far as down as DC, so I go up around enough anyway that I say to myself a two-hour drive I can do that in my sleep not literally but I can I can drive two hours and that's not that's not a big deal at all. Nice. <laughs> that would be really cool to see like you know all these different people that have either been playing the game a long time or had walked away and then are starting to get interested and come back a little bit. That'd be really cool. How cool yeah. would it be to, like, see, like, for instance, I, I see uh, at some point I saw, I should say, that you were, you and Wes maybe were talking with somebody who was based out in the Midwest saying, like, you should get everybody together again for, like, you know, like a, like, old school crew battle, see how everybody's doing. Like, probably have, like, spouses oh, and children by now, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that That'd would be, cool be to funny. See as
1: well. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, that would that would be a wonderful time. I really think just the the relationships that we built were really cool. And you know, some people are like, um, it's behind me. I I know I kind of had that phase, like, oh, Smash Brothers is behind me. I'm not not looking back at that game ever again. And then something something tugs you back in, and then suddenly you find yourself consumed again, like like it never like it never went away.
0: And so, what would you say is the biggest thing that you feel? when you're playing melee like is it about the community or is it about how the game feels to you when you're moving your character when you're moving puff or falcon by the way that clip of you falcon punching somebody <laughs> was very funny was very hilarious you tweeted this out maybe like a week and a half ago
1: but uh, yeah <laughs> that was like hilarious <laughs> this is for the memes man for the memes but uh what was your question?
0: When you when you when you play melee, what are you feeling? That like, is it the nostalgia, or is it how the game feels when you play? Like that kind of tugs you back in that feeling that you feel when when you're playing melee. That oh, resonates oh, for me, with for me, the it's most. the
1: competition. For certainly, the competition. Absolutely, one thousand percent, the competition first. Just being able to like. You versus yourself playing better than you played yesterday, and your, your your performance will dictate if you win or not. And, like, that part of it for me is definitely number one. And then, number two, just like, yeah, it really does feel really clean here, like, in my setup. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad whoever the hell invented this did it because it, it's like, it's damn near flawless.
0: Shout outs to Fizzy. Yes, Fizzy is behind, behind the slippy rollback stuff. Yep. For real. So then I have an, man an interesting... Like back. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a, I think that's something that's going to be really fun for you then, or, or maybe it won't be fun. Maybe it will be the rage-inducing competition fun that we all kind of get hooked on every now and again when Ranked comes out, because we've been playing, or I should say everybody else has been playing Slippy unranked this entire time. But eventually, hopefully, there's going to be a Ranked system for Slippy, where you just log in, you see the ranked button, you hit it, and then you play a best of five set with somebody, and if you beat them, you move up on, and you play better players, and you see if you can get to, like, platinum level or something like that, or maybe you unlock achievements where it's like, congratulations, you've hit five rests in this game. Wow, you're a really good Puff player. Like, you know, that kind of stuff that you see in games like, you know, modern games where they're trying to have ladder systems and ranking systems and that would be dope. different ways to keep you interested. Like, is that... Does that sound like something you'll be trying amazing. to do when Rank comes out?
1: I would absolutely do a competitive uh, SSBM, For sure. Oh my god, that would be dope. I'll I'll have a quantitative number to how bad, how much I suck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care to be the best anymore, man. I just play for fun, dude. I don't, I don't care. Man. I have absolutely zero ambition of being a pro professional Jigglypuff player or Smash uh, this player. I'm just doing it like you like you asked at the beginning for the community. For the nostalgia and for the, you know, keeping my brain sharp and fingers. I, I also think I have Tourette's syndrome or something. Not Tourette's, but what is what is it when your hands are oh, Parkinson's? Oh my God, I feel like I have a mild case of Parkinson's from playing this game. So for the old gamers, I'm sure y'all probably feel the same thing that I feel with my thumbs and trigger fingers. It's not good.
0: So how do you, so how do you take try to take care of yourself? That might be something that's interesting for other people to hear where they're that hey, even if you don't have that sort of thing in your hands where something hurts when you're playing, that's going to eventually be you, that'll eventually be me. Like I even feel that with just holding a phone. Like I've held a phone for like 10 plus years now of my life and I realized, wait a minute, my wrist hurts sometimes when I'm holding a phone. Right. So like Look at that. what do you do what do you do to try to like help that kind of stuff out?
1: Well, I don't do a damn thing. That's probably the problem. (laughs) That's half the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I probably should be doing something about it. I have these like uh, wrist guards. um, But I think it's really from the like the thumb movement. The quick thumb, the rapid thumb movement with the sticks is definitely not a natural movement for our hands. We we were not built biomechanically to move our thumbs to that speed.
0: Yeah, I, I, when you when you see, like, on YouTube of just, like, a video of somebody playing Melee of, like, their controller, their hands on the controller, I go, wait a minute, how do they move that fast? But that's, like, an average pro-level player is just moving that fast. Like, there's a reason why the character is moving fast on the screen, because your fingers have to move that fast on the controller, and it just must be insane.
1: Yeah, man, and it has long-lasting effects over time, like, for real, at least in, in my case
0: well not to not to push it too hard on you but i think that there are resources out there for sure if you just if you just go look it up maybe there's a way that you can do stretchers or whatever that's that's the only thing i can think of. that's a of great for you. call
1: that is actually a great call and i'm the one in the healthcare field look at me ignoring my health <laughs> thank you for the advice though. i appreciate it. uh
0: well uh, there there are certain things that i've been uh like i'm supposed to be like quote-unquote knowledgeable about but i just like don't even do it for myself so i know exactly how i know exactly how that works you're it's all good <laughs>
1: yep we take care of others, not ourselves
0: it, it's cool that there are people who uh, besides myself see what you're doing out here want to give a shout outs to firepuff12 or just being like oh yeah like hill rr is like one of the great Puff <laughs> players who have like, yeah
1: shout out to firepuff for real man
0: yeah so back to you to go like you you helped innovate the character that i love and i love watching puff in particular myself like that's why i have like a profile picture on twitter of a jiggly because even though i really like watching just about any character in melee for whatever reason watching a puff being down two stocks or something and then bringing you back to last stock each and you know rest is back on the table it is yeah. so it is like i melee it feels like that's peak melee to me honestly when agreed. there's rest on the table
1: yeah agreed man that wild that little wild card and it's always best when you're playing like a frantic fox or a falco who's like doing everything in their fucking power to not get grabbed and you fucking grab them and you hit him with an up throw rest and it's so satisfying
0: <laughs> oh it must be an amazing feeling like when i try to <laughs> I have tried a few times to like practice rest setups, and I just go like, "How am I missing the rest? I have Jigglypuff like touching the other character as I press down B. What's happening to me? Uh, That's no. the level that I'm at.
1: That sucks that 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 happens to me still today. Like I'm literally sitting there scratching my head like, how in the hell did that miss? <laughs> <laughs>
0: At least if you're playing online, you can say, it must be a stupid rollback netcode or whatever, screwing me over. (laughs) Uh, Mom,
1: get off the phone.
0: (laughs) Uh, I remember playing on Xbox Live like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, and there'd be like the phone ringing in the house, and I'd be like, nobody pick it up. I'm going to get kicked out of this lobby. (laughs) For real. I remember, yeah, those were the (laughs) peak gaming times. So to get in the direction of wrapping up,
1: are we are we in the same age
0: oh sorry um i was like 11 or whatever when that was sort of stuff was happening i'm 26 or 25 now i'll be 26 in october
1: okay okay so i've got about 10 years on you well eight years
0: close enough you get it and you i you know i defer to you on that kind of stuff but i i do remember being on xbox live stuff and some of the lobby conversations i i I vaguely recall those probably not the same as in person smash tournaments at around that time but yeah fun t- <laughs> fun times definitely so do you want to talk a little bit about what you're trying to do now though with not only playing melee on stream but you also play valorant on stream and oh, doing valorant. content creation in general like like what what's the well the end goal is probably not a fair question to ask but Hopefully, you're just having a really good time being able to play games and share that with people who stop by on stream. Shout-outs to Stream, by the way. Killer OR's chat, Real Ones, for sticking around.
1: <laughs> for sure, man. Um, yeah, I, I guess for me, with the streaming, it's just something that I enjoy doing. I do enjoy the content creation and stuff. I, I think I uh, really just love gaming right? and see a reason to, to continue to do it. Uh, I take great passion in it. Um, I love fitness and stuff and I feel like I can share that. And I also have experiences, right? I've, I've been alive for quite a while, at least for a decent time, and um, I picked up some experiences and maybe I can give some people free game um, and hopefully that can help them, you know, not just in gaming but in, in life as, as young men, young women, young people becoming somebody or even just entertainment and making people laugh and smile and that that's cool too.
0: And I really appreciate how you were able to do that and also kind of have like that entertainment value. I think that of what I what I struggle with is like being entertaining, if that makes sense. Like I really appreciate doing this mostly for myself and there are people who do come back and listen to the episodes no matter who I'm interviewing. But then I think to myself, I I know how to do this in one way where it's like clickbait stuff and try to like say, <gasps> Kilo O R Kilo O R said what? Like, you know, you know, that kind of meta, but like, I'm just, I just really enjoy having conversations. And so I think to myself like, Oh, do I really want to like shoot for something that's like bigger or what have you? And you have to kind of think about that when you're doing content creation in, in any sort of way. But I think something that comes clear for you is that come what may you're, you're just having a good time.
1: Yeah. Essentially. I, uh, I guess it, it's, it's not a business until it is, me and you know, for all of the really big streamers out there that really are doing this as a business, I I really commend them because I realize now after doing it for about a year how how much effort it takes to really like grind up there and and make it as a streamer. It, that shit is hard work, um, and I don't think anyone on the outside looking in would probably know that until you like really sit down and start trying it. and It's like wow, this is actually not easy at all. Um, and then as far as uh, Just uh, uh closing points, you know, I really appreciate you uh again taking this time to speak with this dinosaur and um uh, here hear, hear my, my, my little piece about gaming, Smash Brothers life. Thanks again, Jesse. You're you're dope, man.
0: One of the most beautiful dinosaurs I think you'll ever come across in Killer O. R. But please tell the people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You guys can find me on uh, Twitch. I'm streaming live uh, Uh, twitch.tv slash nyckillaor and that tag you can find on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, I'm very active, Reddit.
0: So one more time, O R thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of Smash Mountain.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Peace, bro.
0: And now, please enjoy the shoutouts that O R made to his stream throughout this entire interview. I took the clips and put them at the end. You can find O R once again twitch.tv slash nyc
1: <laughs> yo caleb i appreciate you man yo caleb i really appreciate you by the way man thank you so much i appreciate that man you have a great night as well my brother what's up and how you doing brother what up nicholas Yeah, yeah, I'm doing an interview right now. Hey, bro, what up, bro? Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition.
0: Ooh, another day, another podcast. It was a busy weekend. What do we even, what do we? How do I even recap this weekend? Okay, so personal stuff. First of all, for me, I got my second vaccination. So in a little under two weeks now, since there's a Tuesday that I'm recording this, I should say. I will hopefully be all completely vaccinated up and be able to do stuff. As I was talking to Kella OR about, we were talking about how IRL stuff is going to be coming around the block sooner or later. And it's going to be exciting to be able to do that because I got my vaccination. So yippee. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. So I wanted to also talk about how over the weekend, golden guardians 2 happened the golden guardians octagon 2 happened excuse me i don't know of a second golden guardians team that's happening other than the other teams that golden guardians has outside of melee i'm sure there's you know there's the other esports games that golden guardians has their feet dipped into okay I got the name wrong. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what that boils down to. I wanted to give a congratulations though to everyone involved with the Octagon two and how awesome of an event it was. I was not able to watch it the whole way through, but I was able to see the matches afterwards. Really entertaining stuff. I think there was like bonkers type highlights in, in each set. I think my favorite was the surprise Toph versus Scar. Just the surprise factor, you know. I don't. I. <laughs> I thought that okay. Well, maybe I should start with the matches that we were actually expecting. First of all, Hungry Box definitely showed some different things that I'm used to seeing him show for online events, for slippy rollback type events. This was a first to five against Ginger. So the other thing though. As I noted to you all when I predicted the winner of this was how Ginger has not had a super consistent controller since his tournament controller gave out or is being sent to the shop to be repaired. I don't know what the full story is. I just know that Ginger was sort of tweeting out, not pre-John's, but definitely some kind of tweet to that effect last week before the Octagon 2 and over the weekend was saying, hey, y'all, sorry, I'm not streaming tournament runs as much. I don't have a good controller for that right now. So maybe Ginger got a good controller in and didn't get a chance to break it in yet. But I feel like we saw good things from Ginger, but Hungrybox, I feel like, was showing slightly different, a slightly different style overall for the set. And... One fairly convincingly, five three. You know, not 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 like super ultra convincingly, but congratulations to HungryBox. And then we had Nun versus Moki, which Nun was <laughs> oh, none was on something for for their for their set. My personal favorite moment, which was so accurately done by 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 Zets, who is the CEO of Melee TikTok. Just grabbing Moki, grabbing Fox out of the air with Captain Falcon on FD. <laughs> when when Fox does the side B illusion, we're gonna have a gamer moment here. When Fox does the side B illusion, the hurt box of Fox advances ahead of the hit box of Fox. So technically speaking, that move can be beat if you react to it and throw out an attack in time, that can interrupt the side B. And one of the super sick OG things I feel that you can do to thwart the side B from Fox is to actually grab him. So this is obviously easy to do with Marth because Marth has the arm apparently the size of, like, a leg (laughs) that just... The the grab range for Marth is ridiculous. So timing it might be slightly easier for a Marth player. But as you know, none is a Captain Falcon player. So it's even more impressive. I guess it would be most impressive if somebody like Axe playing as Pikachu grabbed a side B from Fox out of midair. But all that to say, it was awesome to see that happen because that to me feels like like a very... (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha gotcha moments. There's not a lot of those moments that happen where it's so immediately obvious in my opinion in melee. Obviously when you get dunked on in a long combo train, then you get spiked or something, you definitely got, got there. But sometimes you just get outplayed and you miss your tech and you get up smashed and you lose a stock. So what? But when you get grabbed out of the air <laughs> when you try to do a side B, I feel like that's just something you need to <laughs> go out and have a moment afterwards to yourself and just be like this game <laughs> probably something to that effect so all that to say rewinding back a little bit to the fact that none did beat Moki with not only the grab grabbing fox side b out of the air but also winning in general okay the next set we had S2J versus IBDW, which ended up being the closest set of the night. It went game five. It went last. Sorry, game five. I meant game nine. It went game nine. It went the distance. So the last game, the last stock and S2J clutches it out. So GG's and had some pretty awesome moments. It was kind of like the, yo, did he just run up quickly and down smash? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, w- I would have loved to hear that. <laughs> I don't think that happened, though. Anyway, <clears throat> let's talk about the last set of the night that was not the Scar-Tof showdown, which I thought was fun and surprising. We had Mango and Zane playing in person, shoulder to shoulder, controller to... Con- sh- okay, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm tired. So... <sighs> By the way, that's that's what I say all the time on this podcast when I make a funny joke. It's I, I make the funny joke not just because I'm tired, but also because I wanted to make the funny joke. Let's just put it that way. But should I laugh super hard at my own joking? Probably not. So when I say I'm tired after laughing at my own joke, it's me really apologizing for the fact that I laughed too much at myself, but I'm I'm tired. <laughs> so... They were playing in person. Mango flew out to Zane's place in Virginia, I think it is. So we got to see some in-person high-stakes melee for the first time in a little while. And by in a little while, I mean... It, it's probably been, uh, had only been about an hour or so since the Scar-Tof set, which was also played in person, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious because the whole week, I think everybody knew or most people knew that Mango was going to fly over for the Octagon 2 to Zane's house and to play their first to five set in person, but we, we did not know that Tof and Scar were going to beef and then they were going to play a first to five set themselves during the octagon too so it was really funny that that happened first before the big title card of the night of mango versus zane (laughs) so when people are talking about wow first high level in person set in a while and i'm thinking to myself didn't we see (laughs) didn't we just see scar versus (laughs) tove like less than an hour ago (laughs) (laughs) but it was super fun it was super fun to see Zayn just really taken it to Mango and Mango went Falco the whole way. And I guess he didn't feel confident enough in Fox to try to switch to Fox at any point, but I would have liked to have seen it. And so obviously Zayn won. I mean, Zayn is not going to be nerfed by being IRL, if anything that might make him better. Like it hopefully makes everybody better playing IRL as compared to playing on rollback. That gum. I mean, for pity's sake, it did not look close at times. Now, Mango, to give Mango credit, did play some of the games close and took a few games, of course. But it, yeah, just looked like a wash by the end of it on the Dreamland stage. And saying it's just like fair, fair. I'll do an upbeat and mix it up off stage and a dare. Just <laughs> like it's just over. Something that was really cool about the event was how each stage was golden guardians octagon 2 themed and the skins for all the characters that were used oh my gosh is that why mango didn't go to fox because well no they had a mango sorry not a Mango fox they had they had a an octagon 2 fox for ibw and Moki, so what what the world okay well all that to lay aside. The big thing is they had custom skins for the characters, for Captain Falcon, Marth, Falco, Jigglypuff, Fox, and they also had custom stages. This is something that I feel even for a high key event like the Octagon 2, doing that boldly in the face of you know certain certain organizations that are out there. You know, you get it. And they did it anyway i thought that was very cool and so far so good so when we do the next big like grudge match fight night when we do octagon three perhaps when that all sort of goes down can we do the skins again can we do the custom palettes for the stages again can we do that please because that was awesome The entire thing was really, really cool. So shout-outs to everybody involved. I don't have a list in front of me. I think maybe Zane shouted out some of the people, but I didn't get the impression that absolutely everybody was shouted out. So if I find that, I will circle back to it and give proper shout-outs for all those individuals. So here's the other interesting thing that happened over this weekend. Metagame re-aired with the edited episodes. And also with the new episode featuring Leffen, and they also had a bunch of interviews. They had an interview with each of the, you could say, main characters, but really it was the five gods plus Leffen. So a reaction to the first airing of metagame back in December. After that happened, Samox interviewed Mewtwo King, Mango, PPMD, Hungrybox, and Armada, and also Leffen to react to the metagame sorry, to react to Metagame, to react to the documentary airing back in December and to prepare as content for the second airing of Metagame, which happened this past weekend. So I didn't get to see it the, the entire way through. You know, <laughs> I'm a family person, of course. I did get to see bits and pieces here and there. The good news is that you can find all of the interviews with the Five Gods and Leffen on YouTube if you just look it up, Metagame mango interview metagame armada interview you'll find it it's on the metagame youtube channel i'm pretty sure and if it's not there it's on the east point pictures youtube channel which is where you can find the original smash brothers documentary by the way for those of you who want to check that out why did this happen though we also had one more thing happen this weekend this is going to be difficult to talk about because i don't really know a whole lot about any of the circumstances that were brought up and the people who are involved but it's worth noting that this at the very least happened we got to see the release of evidence.zip 2 from hacks and this is in regards to Lefin. a two and a half hour video or a 140 page document whichever you want to consume i i listened slashed Watched. Sorry, I listen slash watched the video. I mostly listened, but I watched it here and there. So basically, this two and a half hour video can be summarized as an essay or a case or evidence to basically say Leffen should not be in the community. That's the TLDR version for it. And I just do not know enough about any of the circumstances that were brought up in the video. I don't know any... Well, sorry, let me back up. I don't know Leffen personally, and I don't know Hacks personally. So there's not really a whole big idea that I have in bringing it up to talk about on the podcast other than to say that it happened. If you want me to be opinionated about it, I think that the video might have raised things, points, that you could say, oh, yeah, I see that, but then it sort of pushes that truth to the absolute limit and actually past the limit you could take a basic statement like this grass is green but if you had put it into this evidence.zip2 video it would be hacks basically saying the grass is green and in fact it's so green that it's blue Uh, uh, that it's so green that it's not even there it's not even there conceptually speaking as a as an object the green grass is just not even there anymore like that's how green it is i'm doing a poor job of illustrating or trying to add context to the video without getting too specific in details because again i just i'm not i can't go there and the reason why i can is because i won't i won't go there <clears throat> i could talk about each individual point of the video if I really wanted to this is my podcast but I just I just don't want to the point is is that even if there were things that people go oh okay yeah that did happen like I, I saw that on the Twitter at the time I, I saw you know that left and tweeted this or left and put up this video or or said this in an interview but then to connect all the strings together and to spin a narrative and to say, Hey, this is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth is where it really starts to fall apart. And what ends up happening is everybody made fun of the rhetoric memed on some of the rhetoric that was used in the video. (laughs) And I would say deservedly. So honestly, Uh, some of it seemed like it was set up to be meme material. So a lot of people were calling hacks sort of like unhinged or, or having some kind of mental episode or, 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 or being really down bad. I'm not sure <clears throat> what the exact words were, but I think that there was, I, I in my own opinion, I, I feel like this isn't something that you can have in a quote unquote episode of, over. This is obviously something that's been brewing for 10 years at this point, because that's when, Hacks cited Leffen and himself first starting to butt heads first back on smashboards and then all through the the two thousand and tens through the present. So I'm not gonna be all like I'm pro Leffen, I'm pro hacks. I'm not gonna be all like this video is one hundred percent true or this video is one hundred percent false. Unfortunately, it all just falls into murky gray reality. However, what I do want to say is that in order for Melee to be a more welcoming and safe community, less stuff like this needs to happen. Less stuff like it needs to happen. We need more positive things to happen. So that's all I can do. I can try to create positivity in my own small, slightly meaningless way. But I I do know it's meaningful. It's just that I'm not a top player, so I don't have that clout like that, right? But the point is, is that picking sides or, or trying to go hard in one direction or the other, or even trying to go hard in the quote unquote neutral direction that I'm sort of doing. Like there's not really a whole big point to doing any of that because that's outside of my control. So I'll try to control what I can control the end. So that's really what has been happening recently in melee. So now, you know, and you have my take on it, I guess. So there you go. The last thing I wanted to say before we stop recording, before I stop recording, at some point I brought up Pikachu 942 with Killa or R while we were talking. And I don't think that Killa or R knew that Pikachu 942's pronouns are she, her, but I totally blanked on it when we were talking if those were the correct pronouns or not. So I did not correct Killa or R because I, for the life of me, could not remember in that moment I was too nervous conducting the interview to think on my feet like that. So if you are listening, Pikachu942, I do apologize. And that's it. I hope that all of you have an amazing rest of your day. If you are a person who likes to go on to Twitter, I am there at Cypher003 for myself and at BSMPod. You can find that BSM Pod Twitter account where I like to retweet people saying nice things about the podcast (laughs) and also post, hey, the new episode's up and that kind of stuff. So go drop a follow. And on YouTube, we obviously are trying to put up episodes of the podcast on YouTube as well, trying to catch up with past interviews. So if you go subscribe and you have not been aware of Bottom of the Smash Mountain for very long, you'll get access to a lot of episodes that I have conducted that were not within the past week or two weeks or a month. Like we're going to try to put all the interviews I've ever done onto YouTube over time. It might take a little while until we get there, but we will get there. Big shout outs to my producer for the YouTube content, Sprinting Legs, who I keep promising I will try not to raise into the limelight of shout outs and shout outs, but I am very appreciative of the awesome stuff that Sprinting Legs is doing being very helpful. So, Thank you. And now we're done. Okay. Hope that you guys and ladies and people, all of y'all, I hope that you all come back for another episode and that we can eventually maybe even get you on. That's right. You, the listener, listeners, get on as well. You know, I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, can I come on? And most of the time I say yes. Actually, I haven't said no yet, but... I think that the people I would say no to haven't bothered asking because they know. They're cool like that. That's the only thing that they're probably cool at, by the way, because for somebody to not be welcome on here, it it would probably take a lot, and they probably aren't cool in a lot of ways. They probably hate Melee, you know? But they know not to ask because <laughs> they know they can push their, oh, I'm a big whatever player propaganda elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I really need to stop talking. And we're done.